Welcome to the Strong Mama Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, mom, exercise physiologist, and pre- and postnatal fitness expert. This show is all about helping you navigate your pregnancy and postpartum journey with more strength, energy, and ease. Each week, pull up a seat for a new topic that will empower you to feel strong, capable, and confident while supporting your body through all the changes of the motherhood journey. Just a reminder that the information on this show is not meant to treat or diagnose any medical condition. Please speak to your medical provider for all things related to your health care. I'm honored and excited to be a part of your health journey into motherhood. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Strong Mama podcast. Today I'm here with pelvic floor physical therapist, Dr. Marcy Crouch. And while she specializes in all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, today we're focusing in on the postpartum recovery while we might dive into lots of different topics in this entire space, but also just primarily how to best support your body during pregnancy, birth, postpartum recovery, and motherhood. So welcome, Dr. Marcy. Can you please introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit more about what you do to start? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I love helping moms at any stage of their motherhood journey. So this is like, I told, I was telling Nicole earlier, this is like my, I love talking shop. So (laughs) we're going to just get into it. I feel like, um, so I am Dr. Marcy. I have my doctorate in uh, physical therapy. My specialty is women's health and pelvic floor. So I really focus my clinical work, my training, um, and my niche in the pregnancy and postpartum population. So as physical therapists, you know, our specialty is movement, rehab, injury prevention, strength, function. So I'm applying that over into pregnancy and postpartum and really kind of where I've narrowed my focus over the past five or six years. I've been doing this for about 13 plus years is in this idea of birth preparation, like we would be preparing anybody for any type of physical activity or event. Um, There's pretty much zero (laughs) physical prep for moms going into delivery. And what we're seeing from a pelvic floor standpoint is there's a lot of injury, a lot of trauma, a lot of tearing, which then sets us up for problems postpartum and beyond. So we're really trying over here at my company, the down there doc to really educate and empower women going into their pregnancy and into their delivery to reduce trauma and physical problems. So recovery is easier, quicker, (laughs) less painful, less problematic. And then we see better long-term outcomes from a physical and mental standpoint. Amazing. I know it's always like, I always refer to it kind of like prehab when you're preparing, because like, you know, you often have prehab for like a knee surgery where you do physical therapy, Mm -hmm. but it's not so supported or common with moms. And I think it's just incredible what you're doing. And I think every mom needs, needs that support. Um, Yeah, I agree. And I really think in what I hope kind of our big goal (laughs) is that what we're doing starts to become standard of care from maternal healthcare, you know, um, and from a cost standpoint, you know, it really should be considered (laughs) cost-effective in the medical community because we're seeing less problems and long-term outcomes and improve long-term outcomes, which means like less appointments and less intervention and that sort of thing. So it's exactly what you said prehab is exactly what needs to happen for moms in the pregnancy and birth space. It's exactly the same principle and supported by the same type of physiology 
Yeah, absolutely. So just incredible work, incredibly needed and agree. It needs to be commonplace. It needs to be standard of care. And yes, yes to all of that. Yes. So <laughs> with your, you were telling me a little bit before we pressed record about like your journey into motherhood. And I think just knowing a little bit about you and reading a little bit about you, you were already specializing in pregnancy and postpartum pelvic floor before you became a mom. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's funny because <laughs> uh, a lot of what I've experienced in the last couple of years, um, when therapists reach out to me or PTs reach out to me and they say they want to get into this field, it's through their own journey into motherhood, right? They're like, Oh my God, I had a baby and like my vagina is a mess. And you know, like, I can't believe it. And if I am experiencing this, I'm sure other people are, you know, what can I do to kind of change my course as a, you know, orthopedic or inpatient PT and get into pelvic floor, which I love because I'm always like the more, the better, like the more pelvic floor PTs we have, the more we can serve women. So I want everybody (laughs) to come over to the dark side, you know? Um, but for me, I, it was opposite. I started PT school right when I got married. Um, I was like the only one, I think in my class that had just gotten married. Kids weren't even on the horizon. None of my friends had kids. None of my friends were getting married. There was nobody in my PT class that had kids. You know, it just wasn't even in, I was like, not even there. And honestly, I didn't like kids. I was like, I was never a babysitter. I was just like, it wasn't my thing. You know, I was like, I don't, I'd rather no, 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 no. And so when I learned about pelvic floor PT and women's health, physical therapy, I was completely floored because it was something that I had never even been introduced to at all. I mean, I knew about periods and I knew about, you know, people getting pregnant and babies coming out of their vaginas, but I never really knew (laughs) much more than that, you know? And I was in the first, my first, it was year one in anatomy. And the professor that was doing that unit started to discuss the pelvic floor along with pelvic girdle musculature and spine and, you know, all that stuff. And she used the example of a woman who had a very significant perineal tear during delivery. And as a result of that was having long-term functional problems, pain, fecal incontinence, urinary incontinence, you know, all this stuff. And she said, you know, there are a group of us as PTs that work in this area and help with these conditions. And my experience at the time of PT was like, I think pretty much what everybody thinks, you know, sports, geriatric balance, you know, I was like, I'm going to be, you know, a rehab person for the Lakers. You know, I just was, (laughs) I didn't know, you know, I just thought that that's what that was. And so I was just completely blown away by that. And I remember I joke with her even now, Dr. Sidward, I always think, you know, I remember where I was sitting, what I was wearing, you know, like it was one of those moments that was just ingrained in my brain and my jaw dropped open. And I remember looking at that picture and listening to what she said and thinking, holy crap, what do you tear? What is that? I didn't know what happens. You know, this is a significant muscle tear injury there's no help after. And the more I became acquainted with this area and this kind of niche of physical therapy, the more I realized that it's a completely underserved population of women. And it's not like this population is going away because we're having babies all the time, right? It's like the entire human race 
<laughs> relies on women having babies. And there's just this whole gamut of problems and dysfunction that can come from that. And it's just not even getting addressed at all. And I, like I said, I didn't have kids yet, but I knew that that was what I wanted to do. And so I made it a point to kind of focus my career down that path and specialize and go into residency and really kind of focus on this um, area. And I didn't want to do orthopedics. I mean, I, for a second, I thought I made a terrible mistake. I remember <laughs> sitting in class, I was like, uh-oh, this was the wrong career. And then I found women's health and was like, okay, I'm good. I, I found my thing. I don't care about, like, it doesn't bother, vaginas don't bother me. Pee and poop doesn't bother me. You know, parts are parts are parts. And so I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> this is what I'm focusing my time on. I love that story. So then when you became a mom, how did mm-hmm. your journey into motherhood sort of like shift your perspective or yeah. um, change? Did it change anything with your work or your views on what you do? Anything like that? Yeah, really good question. So it's interesting because when I was pregnant with my first son, I <laughs> remember going to my OB and I worked with her. So I, this was in Portland, Oregon, when I worked at OHSU, big teaching hospital. And so I had my office in the center for women's health where the OBs and the midwives were. So it was like, you know, the hallway full of treatment rooms. And then I had my treatment room on the end. So my OB, her two treatment rooms were like right next to me. So I just come out of my room, (laughs) I'd turn left and I'd go right in for my appointments, you know? which was like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Cause I was always like, Hey, let's do an ultrasound on your lunch break. Um, so I remember crying to her when I was further along in the pregnancy and being like, Dr. Schaefer, I only see, you know, people who are struggling, you know, I don't see women who have had deliveries that aren't causing problems. So like my and it's, so, it's so irrational, you know, because as like a medical professional, I, you know, you have both sides, but really my, all my personal experience was, was dysfunction and pain and, and all of these other things that happen and these, you know, stories that are heartbreaking. And I just had all of that in my head and I was super nervous about it, even though I had all of these, you know, knowledge of, you know, birth prep and perineal massage and how to push and advocate for myself. I personally was just it was hard because I I was really afraid that I wouldn't be listened to, that I wouldn't have that sort of support that I advocate for moms. And she just was great. And she, you know, helped me through it. Um, and my birth experience with my first was, it was a very hard labor and very hard delivery. And um, my second was like night and day different. I mean, he was like, he flew out and it was fine. Um, but it did change the way that I think about being on the other side of things, right? Because I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed and to not understand what's going to happen. You know, birth is so unpredictable. So it's like, you don't know, and we can prepare as much as we can, but there's always that unknown. So I, I can empathize with that feeling and I can empathize with that. Holy crap. Like this is a big deal. What's going on. And and my recovery from baby one to baby two is completely different too. So I, I feel like I have a little, I have some of that in my reservoir, you know, to draw on. Um, and it didn't really change my practice in a way that it made me 
it changed it in a way that it made me even more passionate about it and even more dedicated to the women that we serve because I am one of them, honestly. And as my kids get older, I know how hard it is to make time for yourself and get the care that you need as a woman and a mom. And so, you know, I, I feel grateful that I'm able to kind of see all of these stages and I'm kind of, you know, ahead of some of our, our new moms, right. Or our first time moms that are pregnant. Like I've, I've been there. I know what's coming in terms of mental health and physical health and how hard it is to get X, Y, Z. And so I do feel like I I'm able to kind of bring that experience to it a little bit. Um, but if anything, it's made me more dedicated to serve more women and get this in the hands of every person who's having a baby, whether it's their first baby or their 10th baby. Absolutely. I think that's great. It's so it's nice to have both the professional and the like personal perspective mm-hmm. and very, very cool. Okay. So I know that we've sort of talked about this a little bit already in terms of like postpartum and the uncertainty and not knowing what's coming. What do you want new and maybe soon to be moms to know about postpartum healing and maybe a little bit about what they can expect with their body, um, anything they might not be prepared for. What are some things that come to mind? Yeah. Um, we talk about this all the time um, with my company because, you know, we have these online programs and online courses. And this is basically like, this is everything that you need that you don't know that you need. <laughs> it's like, this is this is what's coming. I think the first thing to really kind of be aware of is. And I don't I, I don't want to like freak anyone out, OK, or like scare anyone, but I do believe that knowledge is power. And I do think it's important to to really get an understanding from a factual standpoint about what's going to happen and what to expect. Right. That being said, they send you home from the hospital with that new baby and that's it. So there's zero support from when you get home until your six week checkup, generally speaking. Okay. Generally speaking. So once the baby is born, we kind of just moms, we just kind of like fade away into the background, right? How many appointments does that newborn baby have? Twice, once a week, twice a week, you're going all the time, right? But there's nothing for mom. Some providers now are doing, you know, some virtual sessions where maybe they're seeing you at two weeks or four weeks or whatever. But generally speaking, they, we are left to figure this out on our own. And maybe we had a C-section, which is a major major abdominal surgery. Okay. Major abdominal surgery. Maybe we had a very significant tear in our perineum or vaginal muscles with delivery. Our hormones are going bananas. Our boobs hurt and are gigantic and engorged. We're trying to figure out how to get a tiny baby who doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing either to latch on and feed. We have no sleep and we're probably exhausted from the labor, which was perhaps two days. So if you just take all of those variables and compare it to somebody who has knee surgery or gallbladder surgery, okay, let's say it's like, you know, a little bit more, you know, body parts, whatever. What they get is a handicap placard. So they don't have to walk that far. 
They get physical therapy inside the hospital. They get physical therapy prior to surgery. They get maybe a PT coming to the house to help them get out of bed, put their pants on, go to the bathroom, all of these things. But we don't have anything. And so not only are we trying to keep this little baby alive, but we're doing it on no sleep and we're doing it with like a major surgery, blood coming out of our vagina, a waterbed for an abdomen that we haven't been able to use appropriately for nine months. And then we're just supposed to be fine at six weeks. So it's really a travesty (laughs) that this is what the standard is. But I think that takes moms by surprise a lot because we're not used to that in, especially in pregnancy, because that last month or so in pregnancy, we're being seen every week. We get our ultrasounds, we get our Doppler, we get our stress tests. We're in the hospital. We have all this care in the postpartum ward. And then all of a sudden it's like this drop-off and at that drop-off, that chasm from zero to six weeks is when moms are most vulnerable from a physical and a mental health side of things. And in fact, this really great article just came out recently talking about that period of time and what's happening from like a mental health standpoint with postpartum anxiety and depression. And what we see is that there's a link between higher postpartum anxiety and depression with what's going on physically. And so if you just compare in your mind, like we would never ever for somebody that had knee surgery, send them home after surgery and then not do anything for them until six weeks post-op. And in fact, say at their six week post-op, go back to playing a full soccer game. Like that wouldn't even have, like that doesn't even make sense from a physiological standpoint. So why is that what's happening for moms? It doesn't. And so I, I think what I hear a lot over my 13 plus years in the clinic and doing this and helping moms from all over is that every single mom I've ever talked to or helped or done in the clinic or virtual session or in my community, whatever has always been like, why didn't they tell me about this? Why didn't they talk about this in my childbirth class? Why didn't they tell me that this was going to happen? And so That I think is really important to understand for new moms and not like, you know, doomsday. Oh my God, all this like crazy stuff is going to happen. But like, just realize that you're going to be on your own. And I, as a medical professional, am not okay with that. Given the amount of women that are having babies every day in this country, like they, we can't, this can't happen. And so, um, that's really, I think a very valuable (laughs) and very vulnerable time period is, is like zero to six weeks. And I just want people to understand that there's a lot of stuff that happens there in that time for your body and your, and your brain, and you need someone to help navigate that. And that's where we come in at the down there doc to really bridge that gap and set up for success because nothing magic happens at six weeks. It's not like at five, it's not like at five weeks, six days, you know, you're physically unable to, you know, run. And then at six weeks, exactly your body is magically ready to go back to doing what you were doing before getting pregnant. But that's what we're told. Yeah, I know it's far from it. Six weeks is such a short time period yet. It's kind of just like this idolized, like line in the sand, like you had Mm -hmm. said, like 
you cross yeah. over this six week line and yeah. yeah, you can have sex again and you can work out the same way you were before. Yeah. And it's Hell just not, no. yeah, it's, it's a no, <laughs> no. And that six week mark really just came from the idea of tissue healing because mm-hmm. wounds are healed. Scar tissue is laid down. We're usually not bleeding as much. Normal tissue healing takes six to eight weeks. It's just normal tissue healing, but tissue healing and recovery are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Completely different thing. So let's like take a back step a little bit. And I know that you had said that like first six weeks of course is our most vulnerable mentally, physically, et cetera. And what can we sort of be preparing for in our third trimester or during our pregnancy from a physical standpoint? Cause mm-hmm. you had said physical relates so much to mental, which is mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and really important to note as well. So when we're taking care of our body physically and we can feel more comfortable physically, then that mental health side is a little bit easier as well. It supports that mental health. So what do you recommend for your patients or for soon to be moms to Mm -hmm. do in the pregnancy period, late Mm -hmm. pregnancy or so to prepare Mm -hmm. for the fourth trimester, this fourth trimester. Yeah. It's a great question. So, you know, shameless plug for, um, our online programs. This is what you just said really is the genesis of why we created these online programs, these birth prep courses and early recovery courses to meet that need. Right. Cause most of the stuff out there is like how to swaddle and here's a tour of the hospital and buy another hooded towel, which is like fine you know, you need all that stuff, but there's nothing focusing on the question that you just said. And so in our online program, it's called elevate your birth. We break down specific exercises by trimester to help prepare for delivery. So we're not just talking about general fitness. I mean, that's obviously very important, but we take into consideration the demands of labor and delivery on your body. And we, give you specific exercises, specific stretches and specific movements to train for those demands by trimester. So that's one thing that we, we can start to do. And I'm not talking like crazy long exercises where you have to do, you know, like an hour every day I'm talking functional, right? Cause as a physical therapist, we really look at what we have to do throughout the day. And my goal is to get mom's off the ground. Like, I don't want you to spend an hour on the ground doing these like really boring, tiny movements. Yes, we have to do that sometimes, but we don't have time for that. (laughs) And babies only get bigger and heavier, right? And we have to like run around. So we need to make sure that our bodies are able to be strong and functional in those everyday situations, right? So that's one thing. The second thing is really thinking about um, training for birth and delivery, like we would train for a sport, like I talked about. So I have a system I call it the three P's, and this is a combination of perineal massage, which has been shown to decrease the risk of significant tearing. And it's what, how I teach it is not what you see on YouTube or what the nurse is doing as the baby is crowning. I teach it in a way that's a lot different than that. Then we add in push prep. So this is, that's the second P and this is where we're actually practicing bearing down and getting that movement of the pelvic floor muscles. Because a lot of times people think that having a strong pelvic floor is going to help with delivery. And that's not the case. Pelvic floor muscles do not push a baby out. They get out of the way. Babies get pushed out through uterine contractions, fetal ejection reflex, and bearing down and all these other hormones that take place. 
pelvic floor muscles, their whole job is to be like, oh, okay, I have to stretch and open, right? So we need to make sure that you can get that motion with a proper bearing down. So that's push practice. And then the third P is practice like you play. So this is bringing in motor control um, techniques and um, game-like situations, right? Where we combine perineal massage bearing down into positions that you may choose to birth in. So we teach women how to do all of those things in squatting in sideline and kneeling in sitting with partners, with medication, without medication. So when it's time to push a baby out, you're not doing it for the first time, right? You're not like, okay, I'm going to try sideline. Cause sometimes people like one person might get a really good push in sideline and somebody else might get a really good push squatting. So it's different for everyone. And then we train our partners how to support us in these positions. So when it's go time, you've been like, okay, I know that I have to hold a leg like this, or I know that I get a really good push. If I'm holding onto the side of the bed, my partner has my leg here and I make this noise, you know, like who knows, whatever. But I give women all of these different tools and all of that together sets us up for that for a better recovery from zero to six weeks, because we have less trauma going into it. And then the zero to six week mark really needs to focus on what we call acute healing. So this would be like swelling management, pain management, early mobility, body mechanics, how to get out of bed, how to hold the baby, how to poop the first time, how to take care of your incisions, whether it's in your perineum or your abdomen, you know, how to sit while you're feeding, you know, all of these early mobility, safe movement things make, they're so easy to do. And they make a huge difference for that six week on when we can start to add in a little bit more, you know, higher intensity stuff, but it's, there's a whole field of physical therapy that's inpatient physical therapy. That's that's exactly what this is. These are the PTs that work in the hospitals. These are the PTs that work with patients who have surgery. These are the PTs that get them up and moving the day of surgery that work in ICU, right? It's the same. <laughs> it's a, it's a whole field of PTs, but now we're just adding it over into the postpartum, um, situation or postpartum population, I would say. So does that answer your question? I feel like I went off on a big tangent. Yeah, no, that's super helpful in terms of just like both what you can do to prepare for postpartum in pregnancy, as well mm -hmm. as that first six weeks and what they can be focusing on. And mm -hmm. what I'm hearing and what I also stand by is just this functional movement and your body works as a whole. And you're preparing for this athletic sport, essentially. And those mm -hmm. first six weeks are surprisingly strenuous. Like you're so exhausted. Yes. You, like this tiny baby weighs mm -hmm. like less than eight pounds or so, but you're still like, you're moving around a bunch and bending over a bunch and maybe nursing and feeding and all the things. So hundred mm -hmm. percent, all of that mobility and just gentle movement is so supportive. So mm -hmm. Switching gears a little bit, I know that with that like lack of support in the early postpartum period, can you speak to some of the like band-aid solutions or bad advice that new moms should look out for? I sure can. We should have a whole episode on that. Um, I think hmm, it's tricky because I'm okay. So I'll say what I have heard and what I've experienced in my career. So this is all anecdotal. 
Okay. I'm not saying that your doctor will do this, but saying that this is like a common experience for a lot of moms. So generally what happens when somebody reaches back out to their physician or provider or midwife or whoever, after having a baby, you know, one or two weeks, a week after the common symptoms may be, you know, I'm leaking pee. My vagina feels like it's falling out. You know, my hemorrhoids are crazy. You know, I'm having back pain, you know, insert whatever symptom. And sometimes the first kind of reaction is, oh yeah, that's normal. Just, it'll get, just wait, it'll get better. You know, don't worry about it. And I don't like that response because not only is it dismissive, (laughs) but it's also not treatment in any way. And so being told that something is normal because it is common is not correct. Yes, it's common to have those things because your body just did something incredible, but we need to do what we can as providers to mitigate those. So you can move better, you can heal faster, that sort of thing. So I think the advice um, of like, just wait, isn't super helpful because it doesn't always get better. And then when you bring it up again at the six week mark, their response is, oh yeah, you just had a baby. Of course, everything is fine. Looks normal. You're healed. Looks great. But like you might have a cystocele or you might be really sensitive where your tear was, or your C-section scar is very sensitive and it's hard for you to wear pants or you can't figure out how to get your abdomen engaged, right? You're like, man, I used to be able to just get right out of bed, you know, just sit up right out of bed, but oh my God, I can't even do that. You know, why is that? Doctor said I was healed. I don't get that. So I think the biggest thing that you can um, kind of keep in your mind is that if you hear that response, you can decide if that's acceptable to you or not, you know, and some people feel you know, like maybe it, their, their issues aren't that bad and it doesn't really affect their life. And that's great. Maybe you don't need to come for treatment or seek additional help. But if at any point you think in your head, man, I'm not okay with this. You know, I, I don't like this feeling or, man, I really want to start running again. And I can't even walk around the block or man, like I can't even lift that car seat. That's something, you know, your body best. Okay. You've been in that body for how many years, you know, if something is not right and being told that it's just normal and that's the way it is now. I don't like that. So I think that's, that's kind of like one big thing. Um, other thing as you get further along in postpartum that you might not even be thinking about right now is this idea that treatment for leaking urine is to wear a pad and Pads are great in the sense that they keep our skin healthy. And I would much rather somebody have to wear a pad and go out and be social and get that social support than somebody that's like isolated at home. However, pads are not treatment because they're not doing anything to fix the issue. And pad companies rely on the fact that we tell women that it's normal to leak urine and that they it will continue as their normal way of life for the rest of their days because pads go from thin to thick as we age, not the other way around. And one of the main reasons why older women are admitted into skilled nursing facilities is because of incontinence. But inc- that incontinence started when they had babies 70 years ago. 
So I think that that's like a big one too. You know, I'm not like (laughs) down with pad companies, but I really would like to see a pad company say, we realize that this is not like, you don't want to use our product and we don't want you to, but here it is for you. And the goal should be that you're transitioning from thicker pads after having baby to maybe liners to maybe nothing, right. Instead of thicker, thicker, thicker until the fact that you're in diapers. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's so important to advocate for yourself and you're right. Like we've been in our body and we know our body best. And I think if, like you had said, I, there can be some dismissiveness sometimes, not in all cases, but yeah. just important to look out for that. Um, let's talk a little bit more about leaking and incontinence because that is something that can be common. Mm-hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about, I know there's a few different types of incontinence. So can you speak to that for starters? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we break um, leaking urine into kind of three categories. So the most common and kind of what we see the most in pregnancy and postpartum is what we call stress incontinence. So this is where we would leak urine with any sort of increase in abdominal pressure. So what that that means would, would be, you know, you leak pee when you laugh, cough, sneeze, lift something, jump, run, you know, whatever, where we're seeing that increase of abdominal pressure down on the bladder. Okay. And this could be, you know, sometimes, um, people might not leak, let's say somebody's a runner and they might not leak until, you know, mile three or something like that, you know, or you get, you're fine throughout the day. You get on the trampoline with your kids, you start jumping, you don't have the urge to pee, but oh my God, my bladder, like I just peed all over the place kind of deal. Um, so that's stress incontinence, very common, not normal. The second is what we call urge incontinence. And this is where we leak urine when we have the urge to go to the bathroom. It's like, we can't make it in time necessarily. It's not related to movement or abdominal pressure. We see urge incontinence more in our menopausal population. Um, and then oftentimes we can see a combination of both. And that's what we call mixed urinary incontinence. But I think for your listeners and the population of pregnancy and new moms, oftentimes that is a stress incontinence problem. Um, and this is where like, we see it all over social media and people laugh about it and they call it peasing and, you know, it's so funny and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, is it really, (laughs) you know, like, is it really that funny? Um, so, so those are kind of the three, those are the three main leaking categories. Now is, and I know that you say it's, you know, not normal, which is so true. Is it, I don't want to say normal, but is it like expected for a certain amount of time or not Um, really? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would say from the zero to six week mark, you will see leaking, um, especially if you've had a medicated delivery and they had to do, uh, put in a catheter, um, and you might not even feel the urge to go to the bathroom. You might just notice that you're just kind of like free peeing. And I would say that's pretty standard from it, from a healing standpoint, I wouldn't be concerned about that for, you know, like week two, week three, after having a baby, what you want to see is that the further you get postpartum, the more control you start to regain. Okay. And the more that you are now feeling the urge to go to the bathroom, make the decision to go, can hold it on the way and then void in the, in the toilet. And then, you know, cycle repeats itself. 
if you don't notice that that is changing or when you notice a plateau, like, okay, it's, I feel the urge to pee, you know, I'm emptying fully, but I'm still leaking with like X, Y, Z. Then that's when we start to be like, okay, the things are healing, right? Swelling has gone down. Medication is out. You know, maybe we're at the six week mark. This is like where we start to see some of like the pelvic floor problems or bladder leakage problems that are hanging around that are um, independent from early recovery stuff if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And would this be, and I think I know your answer, but I just want to hear it in your words. Would this be like any type of incontinence related to a weak pelvic floor or, or are there cases where your pelvic floor can be overly tight? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a great question. Um, either way. So you have to think about the pelvic floor muscles, just like any other muscle in your body. So they're made up of skeletal muscle, which is the same stuff as our bicep, our quad, our glutes. So they respond to the same type of load training, um, the same risks for injury, overuse, tightness, spasm, all that stuff. So weakness is one reason for leaking urine that you can leak the urine because of muscles that are too short or too tight because they're just not doing their job and they're kind of staying in a contracted state. You can also leak urine from a motor control problem, which means that this is a timing issue and it's like a brain pelvic floor connection problem. And a lot of times in my experience, that is more prevalent than true weakness of the pelvic floor, especially in brand new moms for the first time, because what happens during pregnancy is that that connection, the brain connection to your lower abdominals and to your pelvic floor muscles just goes away because it's like, you know, all hell breaks loose down there. Your abs are stretched out. Can't figure out how to get them going. The baby is tap dancing on your bladder. You've got hormones. Your vulva, your vulva is like completely engorged. Of course, it's going to be difficult to get those muscles going. Then a baby comes out. Maybe there's a tear, there's swelling, there's bleeding. It's like, ah, and we know in the presence of swelling that the brain shuts off communication to that area. Just like if you had a sprained ankle, right? You have to relearn how to move your ankle once the swelling is gone. Okay. You have to figure out your, we have to teach your brain how to figure out where your ankle is in space, how to move it, how to regain stability and balance. Strength is important, but it's not the only thing. Okay. It's a range of motion motor control thing. So that being said, a lot of times women will have leaking or stress incontinence because they just can't figure out how to get the muscles going again. And the muscles are like, well, I don't know what the hell to do. Like I just was cut. I like, I just was torn or I just had a surgery or I was just lifting a baby up for nine months and I'm very tired now and I can't do this. So how do I like help me do that? And oftentimes we'll see an improvement in leaking pretty quick because it, we rehab the motor control and the timing piece. And then the residual leaking will improve once the strength is in place, but we can't strengthen effectively if the motor control piece is missing. And I think that's why a lot of times when people are just told to do Kegels at their six week mark, you know, they're like, no, I'm just do a hundred Kegels every day. When you're sitting in a stoplight, they're like, I did Kegels. It doesn't work. Well, like, yeah, of course. It's like, of course it doesn't. Your muscles can't do that. And that's not functional. You're not leaking when you're sitting at a stoplight. 
you're leaking when you're lifting your baby or running after your toddler or laughing or coughing or jumping. So it doesn't matter that your pelvic floor is strong and sitting. What matters is can we get it up in these functional positions to support your bladder? So, and just from like an exercise physiology standpoint, which, you know, you know, we don't see change in muscle strength or hypertrophy until we have a progressive resisted exercise program for six to eight weeks, right? That's just regular muscle physiology. We have to load it. We have to fatigue it. We have to make it work really hard and we have to open overload those muscles. So if we're seeing an improvement in leaking after two weeks, that's not a strength issue. That's a motor control timing. And that's where the physical therapy rehab piece comes in. And that's why it's so different than just strength training. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I know that like in, when I was taking a birth class, when I was like becoming a first time mom and it was a birth class at the hospital like they covered pelvic floor for like 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, they said, do 100 Kegels a day to prepare oh, for yeah. birth. To prepare yeah. for birth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Terrible. And I know we've already started talking about Kegels a little bit, but tell me a little bit more about your views on Kegels when they're important or what yeah. we should be doing instead. Yeah. It's a great question. So Kegels get a bad rap. You know, I kind of joke and say that they're my like frenemy, <laughs> you know, they're, um, a ke- the Kegel is just a name for a shortening action of the pelvic floor muscles. That's it. That's just what it is. It's a contraction of the muscles. It's like, you're trying to hold in gas, trying to hold in pee, whatever. Um, Kegels are important when we need to build strength and when we need to support the function of the pelvic floor, which is support because it's the floor of our core, it holds everything up, um, continence, keeping in gas, stool, and urine. And then pelvic floor has a sexual function, which both is a relaxation and a contraction because it helps with that rhythmic contraction orgasm. So Kegels need to be or I should say your pelvic floor needs to be able to go through the motion of a Kegel but it also needs to be able to relax fully too. Just like your bicep needs to be able to contract all the way up and then release all the way back down. So you have elbow mobility, right? If our bicep is contracted all the time, you can't move your arm and you can't get stronger because you're just like doing nothing, right? Same thing with the pelvic floor. So Kegels are important in the sense that they need to be able to withstand the load of whatever your load requirements are. Okay. And for pregnancy, that's a lot of load. You have your body weight, you have gravity, you have increase in blood volume, you have increase in fluid. You might have an eight pound baby. You have a placenta that's, you know, five pounds or whatever, three pounds. You have a uterus that's a hundred times bigger than it was. And all of that is happening over a period of nine months. So the muscles have to support all of that for nine months. We don't ask our bicep to do that. Okay. No other muscle has to do that. And then for delivery, we have to say, we tell, they would have to do the opposite. They just have to stop doing what they've been doing. And then they have to come back and then do everything that they were before. Right. So Kegels are important in the sense that we have to make sure that our muscles can go through the range and that they have the strength and the function to do the three functions of the pelvic floor that needs to happen. 
So during pregnancy, I like my clients and, and the people that I work with to do what I call functional Kegels. Okay. Like I want them to be able to engage the pelvic floor at the right time. They need to release it fully. They, it needs to be able to have the strength to support the increased load over nine months as a pregnancy progresses and whatever else they're doing, whether you're continuing to work out during pregnancy, whether you have to lift a toddler, whatever your unique individual needs are. Your pelvic floor has to meet those needs. It's different for everyone. Studies show that people tend to have better recovery, less leaking and prolapse if you have a strong pelvic floor going into delivery. But pelvic floor strength doesn't have anything to do with the actual delivery of the baby. Okay. So there has to be a balance of pelvic floor training during pregnancy to account for the the, the, what the pelvic floor has to do for delivery, which is stretching, opening, bearing down. And when we do a bearing down, the muscles are electrically silent. You know, if I took a needle AMG and stuck it in your pelvic floor and had you bear down and the pelvic floor moves and bulges out of the way, they're not doing anything. <laughs> it's not an eccentric lengthening contraction. They're quiet. They're moving because of the pressure. So we have to make sure that they have that ability to do that. And that's where stretching, down training, perineal massage, bearing down, all that comes into play. So, so Kegels are important, but it's not the whole story. And we have to be very smart about how we're doing them, when we're doing them, and how we're training those muscles. Um, because I would say 98% of the time people are doing it wrong and people out there, social media and fitness trainers are instructing people incorrectly as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all really good info and hopefully bust some myths that people have been told about Kegels. So switching gears just a little bit here, as we sort of wrap things up, when should someone see a pelvic floor physical therapist or seek out support from a pelvic floor PT like yourself? Yeah. Um, anytime I think, um, it's better if possible to start before symptoms even arise, because we can get a good baseline. Um, you can start to do things during your pregnancy to hopefully combat leaking or prolapse that you might be experiencing later on in pregnancy and then pre prepare for delivery. And then postpartum, we used to say, you know, don't come in until six weeks, right? Cause we can't do an internal until you're cleared for sex and exercise, blah, blah, blah. But I've changed that. I say like, come in right away because of this acute healing thing, acute healing phase that we want to really support. So I'm not doing internal until six or eight weeks, but there's a lot that we can do from an acute recovery standpoint, as far as, you know, all those things I mentioned before. Um, and if at any time you feel in your own you know, body that things don't feel right, or you want to get ahead of the curve, or you're just not happy with a response from your provider, then there is nothing wrong with seeking out the care of a pelvic floor PT or doing a virtual session with us or something similar. Um, the good thing about what we're doing is that it's safe and it's conservative and there's like no risk. So you're not going to hurt yourself or anything, <laughs> you know, it's not like surgery or, you know, anything like that. So you can always try the most conservative thing first and then build upon that as needed. But oftentimes people, when they come into my programs or they do virtual sessions or see me in the clinic, um, we kind of fill that gap 
and they don't really need more kind of aggressive treatment because we're able to attack the pelvic floor from all aspects of their life. Yeah. It's all about that preventative care, right? And totally. like, it makes so much sense to get ahead of it before yeah. things get bad. Yeah. So for sure. love it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we could like continue this conversation for hours on like all right. the topics of the pelvic floor <laughs> and birth, but tell our listeners where they can find you, check out your resources, check out yeah. your programs. Yeah. 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 So, uh, we mostly hang out on Instagram. So we are there, um, at the down there doc on Instagram website is the down there doc.com. Um, I also have a podcast called no mama left behind. Uh, we talk about physical and mental health, um, and pregnancy and postpartum. My podcast partner, Allison is a mental health uh, professional. She just had her second baby. So we're coming back from mat leave. So we'll start our, I think season three soon this year. But most of the time we're on Instagram, we have online programs. Um, we're just redoing, um, all of them and they'll be coming out September, 2023. And we do a whole bundle that's, um, birth prep, early recovery, postpartum rehab. We have a guide and course for partners. So this is basically like everything that your partner needs to know. So you don't have to answer the questions for them because that's annoying. Um, and then we also have a return to sex course and a return to running course. So everything is bundled into one and then we can, you can get them individually as well. And we do virtual sessions. It's all on the website down there, doc.com. Um, and like I said, if you can always shoot us a message on Instagram, we're always on there answering DMS and posting and all the things. So we're easy to easy to find. Cool. Thank you so, so much. I know everybody got so many good takeaways from this and everyone go, go give her a follow. And again, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap mama. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the strong mama podcast. If this show has served you in some way, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. Head to strongmamawellnessco.com for more free resources and opportunities for us to work together. Until next time, keep moving.